welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We continue today with Jeremiah chapter 26. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, stand in the court of Yahweh's house, and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of Yahweh, all the words that I command you to speak to them. Do not hold back a word. It may be they will listen and everyone turn from his evil way, that I relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, Thus says Yahweh, If you will not listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you, and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. The priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of Yahweh. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that Yahweh had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of Yahweh, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate, without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of Yahweh. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of Yahweh, and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of Yahweh. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death, because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and to all the people, saying, Yahweh has sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now therefore mend your ways and your deeds, and obey the voice of Yahweh your God, and Yahweh will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, Yahweh sent me to, to you to speak all these words in your ears. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man does not deserve the sentence of death, for he has spoken to us in the name of Yahweh our God. And certain of the elders of the land arose and spoke to all the assembled people, saying, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and said to all the people of Judah, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house of wooded height. Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear Yahweh and entreat the favor of Yahweh, and did not Yahweh relent of the disaster that he had pronounced against them? But we are about to bring great disaster upon ourselves. There was another man who prophesied in the name of Yahweh, Uriah the son of Shemaiah, from Kiriath-Jerim. He prophesied against this city and against this land in words like those of Jeremiah, and when King Jehoiakim, with all his warriors and all the officials, heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard of it, he was afraid and fled and escaped to Egypt. Then King Jehoiakim sent to Egypt certain men, Elnathan the son of Achbor, and others with him, and they took Uriah from Egypt and brought him to King Jehoiakim, who struck him down with a sword and dumped his dead body into the burial place of the common people. But the hand of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah so that he was not given over to the people to be put to death. This is the word of the Lord. 
chapter 26 begins in the year of Jehoiakim's reign beginning, which is around 608 BC. So he's son of Josiah, he takes over as king of Judah. He's not the first of Josiah's sons. In fact, his brother had already taken the throne, but only lasted for three months. Um, Jeremiah has recorded his name as Shalom. Uh, we also know his name as Jehoahaz. He's taken out of power by the king of Egypt, Pharaoh Necho, um, and replaced by this man, by Jehoiakim. So God is speaking now, in that day, 608 BC, sending Jeremiah into the temple, into Yahweh's house, to speak to anyone who's come to worship in the house of Yahweh. All of these words, and he's not to hold back a single word. That's an important note, right? Do not hold back a word. It's a difficult message. The temptation would be to not speak at all, to soften the blow of, of God's word. But to do so would be to break God's word. There is a similarity for pastors who preach today uh, to speak the fullness of God's word to his people. If the pastor holds back the word, the people will not hear what they need to hear. And so we speak the law in its boldness, its severeness, but also the gospel in its boldness and its sweetness. Uh, the idea that our law, the, the law of God shows us our sin, brings about our death, but that the gospel the gospel is that good news that Christ has forgiven that sin. So pastors are tasked today with showing people their sin so that people can repent of that sin and receive that blessed forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Holding back God's word is a dangerous thing, and that's mentioned here of Jeremiah as well. It may be that they will listen. We have seen this again and again throughout the book, that even though God knows that the people will reject his word, that they will not hear it, he sends Jeremiah anyway. He sends his word. He gives the people the opportunity of repentance. And that's what we see again in this text, that if they will listen to him, he will relent. But if not, if they do not walk in his laws, that would be a reference not only to the Ten Commandments, but also to what you will see if you read really through all of Genesis through Deuteronomy. If they will not listen to his prophets, his servants that he has sent urgently, then he will make them like Shiloh. They are sent urgently because destruction is imminent. Destruction is at hand. And so they bring this message so that there's a chance for repentance before the destruction comes. Think of Jonah going to the city of Nineveh. And even when he finally gets there after trying to avoid the call of God to go, he seems to be weaseling out of what God has given him to speak, right? Do not hold back a word, and yet Jonah's sermon is only five words long in the Hebrew text. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's a short time. There's an urgency. There is an imminentness to that disaster coming. And the people hear it, and they repent. A family conversation on this one could be, do we have an urgent message to share? And the answer to that is most doubtedly yes. And this is the point, well, one of two points to the book of Revelation. The first point of the book of Revelation, as it's written to the persecuted Christians who are living in the Roman Empire, the first point is that God has already won. God has already conquered not only the devil, but even earthly kingdoms too. And that is for them. 
that Jesus is victorious, and because he lives, they will live, and they need not fear their, their enemies, their persecutors. The second thing that you get really as a purpose to Revelation is that sense of urgency, that there are many in this world who need to hear this call to repent before it's too late to repent. And so the Christian, the mission of the church in the New Testament era is to share that word. Both law and gospel share that good news with our neighbor so that they have that opportunity to hear it and repent. So yes, we most certainly have that urgency today. It could be because Christ comes back tomorrow. So is there someone that you want to know Jesus so that you get to see them in paradise someday? Share the gospel with them. Try to do that every day. I'm serious. Try to share Christ every day. That's a good goal to have as a basic starting point for the life of a Christian. If you're not talking to people about Jesus day in and day out, we're not doing what we're here to do. There is that urgency. Jesus may come back yet today. And so if you only had an hour left to live and you knew that, what would you do with that hour? It's a great family conversation point. The other side of it is we really don't know when our neighbor might might die. And so we want to share Christ with them before that happens. There is an urgency to the Christian message today. So God says that if they do not listen, verse 6, he will make them like Shiloh. Shiloh housed the tabernacle. So when Israel finally reached the promised land, they moved in. They, they started taking the land. Shiloh was where they set the tabernacle up, and it remained for a good 300 years until 1 Samuel chapter 4, and God abandons Shiloh because the people have rejected him, and you can read into that section there if you'd like to. Uh, Shiloh eventually, because God is no longer defending it, Shiloh is eventually destroyed. So that is the, the fate that will come upon Jerusalem as well, that this city will become a curse for all the nations of the earth. That's the opposite of what God intended for it. God had promised Abraham in Genesis 17, verse 20, and 22, verse 18, that his offspring would be a blessing to all the earth. Ultimately, that offspring word is singular and is pointing to Christ, the Messiah, who would come, Jesus, who would be the blessing to all the earth by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb, that he lives and gives us life. All right, so Jeremiah goes. He speaks these words. The priests, the prophets, and the people hear him, and they seek to kill him. That's verse 8. You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of Yahweh, saying this city shall be like Shiloh, sorry, this house like Shiloh, this city desolate? They gathered around Jeremiah in the house of Yahweh. That's not gathering around him for a good purpose. It's gathering around him to do violence and harm upon Jeremiah. Matthew 23 is a good connecting text here. In verse 27, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, that they are the city that kills the prophets. But later in that same chapter, verse 35, he mentions how Zechariah is uh, a particular prophet that was specifically killed in the temple. And here they wanted to do it. They wanted to kill Jeremiah right there in the temple. That's not going to happen. So they, they summon together the, the officials of Judah and they get to hear this word of Jeremiah, and they declare that Jeremiah is not worthy of death. So that's going to happen here down in verse 16. But first, Jeremiah did speak to them after they've heard his message. He shares with them again, Yahweh sent me to prophesy against this house in this city. So here you are. You've given the word 
God told you, he sent you there to speak this word. Now you are on trial because you spoke that word. A family conversation again. Could you be this bold? Or would you be tempted in trial to back down or apologize for what you had said? Or would you be so bold as to stand firm by the word of the Lord? That's a challenge that more and more Christians in the United States are facing right now. And in fairness, Christians around the world throughout history have faced. Uh, this is a promise that the New Testament church would be persecuted. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 uh, promises that to the church. And Jesus in Matthew 5 said, Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are you when you, others revile you in, in Jesus' name. So that's a, a maturity of Christian faith that we, we truly need to have. And so pray to the Lord to help your faith to be mature and to help your children's faith to be mature, that they can stand firm in the day where their faith is put to the test. Jeremiah says that he has spoken what God gave him to speak, encourages them still to repent, even though they're threatening his life, and then tells them that they can do to him as they please, however warns them that it would be innocent blood that they shed if they were to kill him. That's not to say Jeremiah has never sinned, but innocent of the crime to which they accuse him. They would not be killing him rightly. It would be an injustice to do so. So the officials declare that he does not deserve death because he has spoken in Yahweh's name. And so they're now going to remember similar situation that has happened before. That Micah, this is the minor prophet Micah, chapter 3, verse 12, Micah 3, um, who has spoken these words about the destruction of Jerusalem before King Hezekiah, and Hezekiah did not kill him. Hezekiah did not put him to death. Instead, he feared Yahweh, he prayed to Yahweh, Yahweh relented. That's the picture that they're recalling. I don't know that we directly see this one in Scripture. Micah chapter 1, verse 1 certainly indicates that Micah goes to King Hezekiah, as well as the two kings that preceded him. It also Again, this is from Micah chapter 3, verse 12, that these officials now quote from. So he does speak this word to Hezekiah. What I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not recalling a moment where we actually see Hezekiah's response in this. In the books of Kings and Chronicles where we see the account of Hezekiah, Micah's name does not get talked about in those sections. So that the recording of that particular moment in history is not there, just as the next one. This idea of Uriah, the son of Shemaiah, who also spoke such a word against Jerusalem and was killed for it by Jehoiakim, which makes it a lot more recent, um, as Jehoiakim is the king, right? And, and verse 1 of this chapter that's being discussed is this is during his reign. So already in Jehoiakim's reign, they have killed one of God's prophets for speaking against Jerusalem. Now, well, now, now here's another Jeremiah. But So Uriah's not mentioned. This account doesn't get recorded either um, for us. So they use the instance in Hezekiah's time as a defense to protect Jeremiah, that they should not kill him lest they bring great disaster upon themselves in case he is from the Lord, which is an interesting connection and parallel to the New Testament. As in Acts chapter 5 uh, the Jewish man Gamaliel stands before the council and makes the argument on behalf of the apostles that they should not harm them um, because that would only... Well, if, if, their, if their word is from man, 
then it will fizzle out. But if it is from the Lord and they, they are to harm them, then they would be found opposing the Lord. So there's a neat connection between, between the testaments in this regard. So then lastly, verse 24, that Ahikam, son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, so he was not given over to the people to be put to death. And Shaphan was an official under King Josiah. So now Ahikam uh, is serving, his son serving as an official, likely under one of these son kings, uh, Jehoiakim here. So perhaps he's a king as official. Maybe he just still has that prominence because his father's position and status among the people and so he helps to protect Jeremiah. All of this is to say, though, God's promise in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 19, and chapter 15, verse 20, that the people would fight against Jeremiah, but that the Lord would work to deliver him. The Lord would save him. The Lord would fortify him so that they could not destroy him. The Lord has kept that promise. And in this particular moment, he works through these officials and their memory, and then also through Ahikam, to save his his prophet, that he may continue on preaching the word of God.